0: Heavenly Father, you say that your word is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. And so I pray that as we uh, open the pages of the Bible this lunchtime, you would speak to us and cut to our hearts. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, What is the best thing about watching a film? I wonder what you enjoy the most. Is it the anticipation as the characters are introduced? Is it the rising tension as the plot unfolds? Uh, The climax of the story when the big reveal happens or where the dramatic rescue takes place? For me, watching a film, the key moment is what happens when it's finished. Having watched the film and not talked through it, you've got the chance to respond to it. Uh, What did everybody make of it? Films divide critics, don't they? And sometimes films divide critics from fans. You see, we can watch the same stories being played out on our screens, but we can respond to them in different ways. And that's why I wanted to have one final stop on our journey through Mark's gospel as we've been looking at Christianity Explored. Because if I can put it this way, uh, we've seen the character of Jesus introduced to us. We've seen the plot unfolding and the dramatic climax of all of the tension in his mission and his death and and his resurrection we've seen the rescue take place Uh, we've observed the big reveal about who jesus is and, and why he came and what it means to follow him it's now time for us to consider how we're going to respond to what we've heard The people who met Jesus responded to him in different ways. And and that has been true of everybody who has ever heard his words since then. In fact, Jesus himself said that it would be that way. Towards the beginning of his ministry, he told a parable, a, a simple story with a spiritual message about what it is like to hear his words Uh, Mark gives it to us in chapter 4 of his gospel, and that's where we're going to look in these next few moments. So let me read Mark 4, verses 1 to 9. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered round him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying thirty, some sixty, some a hundred times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Now, I don't know if you noticed. As I read it there, I don't know if you realized that you had a cameo role in that story. You had a walk on part. Everyone who has ever heard the news about Jesus and his words appears in that story. It's as if Jesus is holding up a mirror to us so we can see ourselves reflected back. Jesus goes on to explain the meaning of this parable to his disciples, and he says that we are all different types of soil. Uh, He says in verse 14 uh, that the farmer sows the word. Uh, He's the farmer, and as he speaks his word in different places, each one of us receives the good news about him in different ways. Jesus wants us to ask ourselves, how am I responding to what I have heard about Jesus? What kind of soil am I? The first type of soil is in verse 4. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Jesus unpacks that. In verse 15, uh, some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. I've been to Israel and Palestine a few times and I've seen something of the landscape there. It's often dry and dusty, and the fields stand out because they're green and lush uh, compared to the rocky and cracked paths around them. If you imagine a a farmer walking through some fields, scattering seed uh, liberally as he goes, some of it would land on those rocky paths, and it would just lie on the surface there, easy to see, Easy to pick up, that seed would become food for the birds. As Jesus is teaching us here, he's warning us that we can be like that soil. His words can land on us and bounce off the surface and never really go in. Jesus warns us not to be naive. You see, when Jesus is busy spreading his word, he's not the only one who's active. He says as soon as people hear his word, Satan comes in and tries to take away the word that was sown in them. Satan isn't a figure of fun and he isn't a figment of the imagination. He's real and he means business. There's a sign up at a number of seaside locations that says, beware, thieves go to the beach too. And that's something of the warning that Jesus gives in these verses here. That we might have our guards down and think that we're for a nice day out when Jesus speaks to us. But that won't stop the devil himself coming and trying to pickpocket us. He'll want to snatch away Jesus' words as soon as we've heard them, before we've even noticed. He's at his happiest, the devil, when we dismiss the claims about Jesus without investigating them fully further for ourselves. He's pleased when we get distracted by other things. We move on to other things in our minds when we've heard something in the Bible uh, and then we go on with our day. He's delighted when he hears the big bang. Uh, Do you know what that is? That's uh, when you've been reading the Bible or or hearing a talk from the Bible uh, and then it comes to an end uh, and then you can hear the Bible banging shut. Like that. Uh, And it's out of sight, out of mind, and we forget that we've ever heard anything. Our thoughts can shut when we shut the Bible. Well, that's what the devil wants. He doesn't want us to keep these things in mind or to let them move down to our hearts, he wants to snatch them away. But if you guard your valuables, you don't need to be a victim. Uh, The second soil is a little bit uh, different. That comes in verses five and six. Uh, Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Uh, In Verses 16 and 17 jesus fleshes out his meaning there others like seeds sown on rocky places hear the word and at once receive it with joy but since they have no root they last only a short time when trouble or persecution comes because of the word they quickly fall away and jesus is so honest it's one of the reasons why he's so good to listen to He doesn't pretend that it will always be easy to follow him. He warns us that it will cost us to live his way in his world. It will feel like dying to ourselves to turn away from our sin and it will put us at odds with those around us. Jesus himself was rejected by his contemporaries, and he tells us not to expect any different ourselves. There can be a honeymoon period where people first start trusting in Jesus. But when that honeymoon period ends and the trouble begins, some find themselves walking away from Jesus. That's why it's important to know up front that Jesus calls us to a costly discipleship, that being for what Jesus is for and against what Jesus is against will at times be difficult. For some, that initial faith it is shallow and is short-lived. They haven't truly counted the cost of following Jesus for themselves. There's a third type of soil, which Jesus introduces in verse 7. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. And he spells that out a bit more in verses 18 and 19. Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. This points us to an important truth about ourselves. Our hearts are a battleground. That some people come to trust in Jesus, at least in their minds, and to believe what the Bible says about Jesus, but their hearts are never truly captured for him. There are rivals who come in and capture their hearts instead. They are the thorns that grow up and starve the seed of its nourishment, and it withers and it dies in that soil. And maybe it's the approval of other people that we value ahead of Jesus. Maybe it's a relationship that we want to pursue, but that stands against God's way of living in his world. Maybe it's a love of money, or all the things that money combines, or the sense of security that money seems to give us, which we start to put first, and Jesus second. The end result is the same in each case. Uh, Those other things become first for us. And Jesus is pushed down our order of importance until he's forgotten about altogether. We just give him our leftovers. If we find our treasure elsewhere, then Jesus just gets our loose change. But there is a fourth and final type of soil that Jesus wants us to recognise. It's the soil of verse 20. Uh, Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. And the seed that lands on this soil isn't stolen. It doesn't get abandoned when it seems to be inconvenient. It isn't neglected when some seemingly more attractive thing comes along to replace it. Rather, it stays the course and it gets results. And a crop this big, 30, 60, 100 times what was sown, that is a far greater yield than one could expect even modern farming methods can't get that kind of yield out of a crop this is pointing to a miracle here this is jesus word doing what only god can do growing and reaching a bumper harvest that's what happens when jesus words are heard and taken to heart. They're not just understood, but they become for us the best news we have ever heard. If we hear the good news about Jesus, if we see who he is and we see why he came and we see what it means to follow him and that delights us, well, we will have found that Jesus is the greatest treasure that this world affords. Forgive me for getting sentimental here, but but, but think back to your early childhood and that teddy bear or that cuddly toy that you were never seen without. Everyone's got that one cuddly toy that stays in their memory fondly for life. I had... A cuddly toy called Little Grey because he was little and he was grey and I was unimaginative. Uh, He slept in my bed and and he sat next to me on the sofa while I was watching TV. He went everywhere with me. And in those early years of life, he meant more to me than money or uh, other possessions did. You could say that he was my treasure. And that's the sort of thing that Jesus means as he speaks about himself here. It's not simply having something to hold on to from time to time, but rather having something to cling to and to carry with you wherever you go. And this parable that Jesus teaches here in Mark chapter 4, it is about transformation as well. Because you might feel that your heart is dry or or arid. You might feel that it's damaged or unproductive. But Jesus promises here that his word bears fruit. The seed grows in us and it yields a crop, a bumper harvest. Things change when we truly come to trust and follow Jesus. The Bible tells us that he takes up residence inside us by his Holy Spirit. And he gets to work changing us, making us more like Jesus. He changes our our desires and our actions. It's a work that only he can do. And often it starts small, but it grows In fact, Jesus often uses the image of seeds growing to represent what it is like to know and follow him. Uh, There's a few in this chapter, but here's just one more of them from Mark chapter four, verse 30. Uh, Again, Jesus said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like or what parable should we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. This good news about Jesus seems at first small and insignificant. It sounds weak and unimpressive to many who hear it, but it grows in those who trust in Jesus. And one day it will fill the whole earth. And the question we're left with is whether we will come into its shade, whether we will respond to Jesus' words with repentance and faith, whether we will heed his call to follow him wherever he calls us to go. Jesus doesn't speak to us so that we will have the right answers to the pop quiz of religious beliefs. He's got a much more personal agenda than that. He went to the cross to die in our place for our sin, so that we could be in a right relationship with God. He rose from the dead to offer us new life to change our lives now and to lead us into eternity with him. He went to the cross so that the way to God could be open, so that we can enjoy life with him forever if we trust in him. Jesus wouldn't have told this parable here if it was going to be easy. And if everybody who heard about this would respond and trust in it for their life. So Jesus asks us, and here's where we've got to end. Have you been listening? Have you been listening? And perhaps you have. And if you have, then perhaps you would like to pray a prayer, the sort of prayer that, well, any Christian can pray and does pray there is a prayer that god will work in us to help us to trust in jesus and to persevere that we might bear a bumper harvest so i'm going to say a word of prayer and you might want to echo this in your heart lord i am convinced of and convicted by my sin I am sorry for rebelling against you in your world. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place. I trust in him for forgiveness and life. Help me to count the cost of following him and to have him as my master. And come into my life by your Holy Spirit to help me to follow him. Amen.